for our acts The sea can be deep for our diving Hope comes and stops us in our tracks Bravely we prove in our striving Trudging together each day everyone and welcome to raw recovery a trudging together podcast my name is dion miller and i am your host today welcome to friday night instead of going out hitting them bars with our paycheck and sit down and listen to a little bit of recovery and you're maybe you're on your way home from work maybe you're hanging out with the wife whatever it is that you're doing we want to welcome patricia to the show um i have been uh I've been friends with Patricia for a little bit on Facebook. So I've never actually met Patricia because of uh, coronavirus, Zoom world. Um, but I've gotten to know her a little bit through Facebook. And we go to some of the same meetings. Um, last week, there were some things that she said that just hit me. I'm like, this is a good speaker. So I asked her, come on. And here we are. Patricia, thank you very much for taking your time and coming on here to uh, tell your story for us. That's awesome. Thank you so much for having me, Dion. I love watching your shows. Uh, they inspire me and your guest speakers, are, they hit home. So I'm, I'm really grateful to be a part of your show today. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think the reason that, it, that we do that is because, and I don't even like saying it this way, we take the, the normal people. You're not going to see very many popular people on my show. They all have ways. What I want are the people that, that don't get a chance or maybe feel uncomfortable doing it. And I can bring them on and, and help them with that. That's who I like to talk to. Yeah. So, um, but the way that this works is sure I'm the host of the show, but it's not my show. This is the Patricia R show today. So <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and open it up and let you get started. So the floor is yours. Awesome. Well, thank you. Um, well, my name is Patricia, and I'm an alcoholic and an addict. Um, I am third. I'm gonna be 38 this year. Oh, yeah. Um, I got two kids and a husband, and I just I love my life today. Yeah, I, it's beautiful. I love my family, and and it wasn't always that way. Of course, we're gonna get into. Uh, all this stuff that led up to this beautiful life that I have now. Uh, um, and and you guys don't get to see what I what I get to see. All right. Um, Patricia's glowing right yeah. now. Her eyes are all bright and shiny and she's glowing like this orange. You got like an orange going oh. on. So you must be pretty excited. Yeah. Um, but it's beautiful, guys. I'm sorry you can't see it, but huh, that's the. I guess it's good to be the host. Um, so I didn't mean to interrupt that, but I want people to know that, man, you're just glowing today. So, and that comes from spirituality. It's the only way people get it. Yeah. Yeah. And spending time with God and my higher power and, and just having him do what he wants me to do. It's right. just, that's how I get to live my life today. So simple. Yeah. It wasn't always that way though, was it? What was your first <laughs> yeah. drink like? Oh, my, my first drink. If that's I, your drug of choice. Yes, I'm an alcoholic. And um, yeah, anytime I would put booze into my body, then the whole party would start. I would just do anything, anything. Mm -hmm. But my first drink, I was, I was 12. 
Okay. And I had skipped school. I had invited um, a friend over, and we were going to skip school together. She invited some boys over. Okay. You can see where this is going. Of course they I do. brought over tequila and I was trying to be like, you know, cool in the gang. Sure. And I filled up a beer mug full of tequila Ooh. and drank it. And I ended up blacking out. Mm-hmm. And I was, yeah, I was 12 at the time. I ended up blacking out. They, my friends that were with me, my friends yeah. uh, that were with me, uh, didn't know what to do with me. They tried to feed me a hoagie roll and um, I just ended up vomiting and they left me there on my back. Oh Um, no. My mom came home and my dad came home and the music was blaring and they found me laying on the floor. Um, That's when I had my um, out of body experience. Okay. I don't really like to talk about that a lot, but I, it's part of my story. And, um, okay. And uh, so, yeah, I, my mom was trying to sit me up in the, um, in the doorway and she would smack my face. And every time she, she would like smack me and shake me and um, uh-huh. jolt me out of my unconsciousness, um, I remember like, seeing her face and then I would zoom back out of it. Okay. Um, but I woke up in the hospital and I was yeah. covered in, in charcoal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had thrown up charcoal and that was my first experience. And, and knowing that I just thought, well, I'll just not do that. I'll do something different. I'll just time. stay away from tequila. Yeah. I'll stay away from tequila. And I did. <laughs> uh, and I, 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 I need to point out why, why you guys, if you're going to end up leaving your friend like that, at least put them on their side. Oh man. Because if somebody is throwing up and you put them on their back, I mean, this is how Jimi Hendrix died. He asphyxiated on his own vomit. Yeah. For yeah. God's sakes, at least put the person on their side. Yeah. If you're going to walk away like a jerk, then at least try and save their lives. Yeah. Yeah, it was um, tragic. The, the, my you're friend, lucky. Oh, yeah. I am very, very lucky. I And God does, you know... That incident has made me realize that God has a purpose in my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they brought in the friend that was with me, and she was in tears because she woke, I woke up in the hospital, and she was in there. Okay. And my parents had brought her like, look, if this is what happens when you drink. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I get her face. She was standing scared in the corner. Um, I was unconscious for 10 hours. Um, so they, yeah, I'm lucky that I came back out of that. My blood alcohol is 0.275. Um, for first time drinking. Yeah. For first time drinking. Um, so that was my first experience with alcohol. Um, and I remember, you know, both my parents were alcoholics. Okay. Um, my, my mom, um, had remarried when I was five. So I grew up um, with my stepdad and I call him dad. He's, he's a recovered alcoholic, by the way. Um, okay. Oh my gosh! I think twenty-four years. Wow! I can't remember, but um, yeah, he's he's in recovery, and he is he's amazing now. Um, That's cool. Back, yeah, back then he was he was a raging alcoholic. My mom was a raging alcoholic. Um, let me turn this off. Oops. Okay. Um, but um, yeah, I would sneak beers, and we had a fridge in our basement, and I would put the beers behind the fridge. Okay. 
my mom heard a rattling one day, like, what is that noise? And moved the fridge and <laughs> all kinds of beers came down. And um, so, yeah, I just became a drinker because it was there. Yeah. And I sneak it. And my parents didn't really know what was going on. because yeah. yeah. My mom was a drinker, too. That's how I got my alcohol. And she just thought she was drinking more. She didn't know right. that I was taking it. <laughs> right. Yeah. She'd pass out in her bed. I would walk into her bedroom, reach under her bed, grab two beers, go watch Taxi. So. Yeah, yeah, that was that was my childhood as well. Um, my my mom was frequently the cops were over at our house, or my mom would be getting taken away in an ambulance. You know, she would okay. call her herself. Um, she she would just exhibit really bizarre behavior mm -hmm. uh, constantly and okay never had anybody over at the house yeah i was the only child um so that made it harder i think yeah there was yeah. nobody to relate to like man this really sucks hey don't you think brother or sister mm -hmm. you know there was none of that um and there's only so much you can blame on the dog yeah you know? <laughs> so you know it was really hard growing up by myself um, so that just naturally led me down the path of um, destruction and kind of just doing rebelliousness and doing whatever I wanted. Yeah. Um, I just stuck around with the oddball, um, just people, the remnant of society. I would just hang around with um, mm -hmm. people. Um, but I was taken out of my home when I was 12 um, and I went into about uh, 30 placements from the time I was 12 until I was 21. Wow. Um, I eventually just got into my own trouble because I got sick of the system. Sure. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know, That's what I, happened to me. Yeah. And I, I think it's so unfair to put a child away who has not done anything wrong. Into the system. Yeah. It's, it's wrong. It's, yeah. It's, it's really terrible. It was, it was awful growing up. And then, you know, the, the system would say, oh, you, you can go home in this amount of time. And then that amount of time would come. And yeah, it it doesn't happen. Yeah. It happen um, because, you know, I was waiting for both my parents to get their act together. And just my dad eventually got his act together when I was 17. Okay. Uh, and uh, my, by then, my mom had stolen the car and a couple thousand dollars and ran and took off. And then my, my dad decided he was going to get a divorce from my mom. Okay. I was, I, I was still in the system. Um, I, I was in so many placements that the state of Colorado would not facilitate me anymore. They sent mm -hmm. me to Iowa. Um, and I finished my time out in Iowa, then came back and was going to go to a, a group home. Um, even though I was 18, the system can, can, in Colorado can keep you in yeah, 21. Yep. Yeah, so um, so I was 18 and going to my another group home. Um, um, my mom had developed cirrhosis of the liver. Her esophagus was worn down. Her eyes were bulging out. Yeah. Paul, um, and they they were trying to drain fluid from her and man and draining like two two liters at a time. That wow. it was just swelling and swelling. She yeah. Couldn't filter any liquids anymore um and eventually she just ended up doing herself in on christmas okay um so 
she committed suicide and I believe with uh, pills and alcohol and just did herself in on the last day. My family doesn't like to talk about it, but I really connected the dots. Yeah. Um, well, I, I think, well, you and I understand where she's at. Yeah. I just, I just never had the guts to actually follow through on it, but yeah. I always prayed to God to do it for me and he wouldn't. Yeah. Same. Same. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry to hear that, but you know, good on you for being able to talk. We need to be able to talk about those and yeah, it's still going to hurt, but I mean, you know, if we recognize it and we know that we're doing something about it, then we can help other people. Right. And that's why we share it. <laughs> yeah. I love it. And you know, I was at an AA meeting when my mom was in the hospital. I don't know how my aunt found the meeting that I was at. Mm-hmm. My aunt lives in Canyon city and I was in Pueblo at the time. Okay. I don't know how she found the AA meeting that I was at, but she found the AA meeting that I was at. Okay. The, the AA, it was a, an Alano club that I Okay. Was yeah. And, um, they said, Hey Trish, you, you got a phone call. And I was in the middle of a meeting and then I got the phone call. Your mom's in the hospital. Um, I went back to the meeting and I said, you know, I just wanted to share that this disease kills. My mom oh. is, you know, in the hospital right now. Um, and they tried to save her, but she was just way too far gone. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, the, they, the ladies that were in the AA meeting went with me. They said, you know what? We're going to bring the meeting to you. And I never, never forgot that. That's what I love about women in AA. Yes. I got to say, you women in AA right now, you got you you guys got us beat, man. You yeah. really do. There's there's a lot of more women coming into the program right now. A lot more. And their sobriety is fantastic. I love it. I agree with you. And that's the thing that saved my butt. Um, we want to jump ahead to where I'm at now. Um, I sat down in a meeting this go round and Okay old timer said what are you going to do different because you know i'm always a frequent relapser and i just sure yeah merry go round over and over and over again um but he said what are you going to do different and i really had to think about that Mm -hmm. i haven't really have an answer for him but i thought about it and i realized that i was so closed off from women and then closed off from men i had been sexually abused um starting at three years old okay by one of my uncles. So I was really closed off sure. about having a relationship with men or women, just anybody in general. I just hated people. And commitment and, and intimacy. <laughs> certainly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I thought about it. What am I going to do different? Uh, and I started going to women's meetings, women's meetings, women's meetings. Absolutely. And connecting with women. And that saved my butt. I, I, it shed off all of the, you know, bad relationships that I had, um, growing up and just throughout life. And it allowed me to develop new relationships with women that were healthy. And it, you know, the mommy and daddy issues that I had, I feel like were healed by the connections that I made with these women. And they were, I, I feel like I connected because a lot of us have the same issues and the same upbringing. And, yeah. the same, you know, when we sit down and talk, like you're doing these podcasts, which I think is wonderful. It gets people talking and we get a, 
share uh, our pain and pain yeah. shared is pain divided. But, and I would say, I don't think that, well, number one, if females weren't in recovery, I wouldn't have a podcast because 90% of my speakers are female. I actually have to chase men down to come on because they don't want to talk about their feelings. Um, they're intimidated. They're whatever, whatever, you know? So, um, but, but with that, you found, I, what girls always say on here is I never got along with other women. I hear that on every podcast. And then it turns out what you're talking about this is what happens. Then they actually start meeting women in recovery and they change. Yeah. They don't just change, but you guys, it's emotional recovery. And that's what you guys do so well that I think men kind of tend to miss. You guys have that emotional sobriety um, which I'm big on. I'm very big on emotional yeah. sobriety. I think yeah. that's the big difference. It's important. Yeah, it's really important. Um, emotional, spiritual. Um, yeah, and um, yeah, that, those are all important things, man. Um, but I, yeah, I agree with you. The women, the, the women in this program just took me by the hand and showed me the way. I it really it just it opened up the gates for me to be able to really dig into this program. Mm -hmm. And um, I love that. And that created such a solid foundation for me because like awesome. I, said, I had, you know, mommy, daddy issues yeah. and it, and it just to have a real solid relationship with a woman. That's not, that wasn't going to screw me over. It wasn't, yeah. you know, and don't, to, don't forget the abandonment stuff too. Yeah. Right. That, that takes a, that plays a big part in it there. That that was so huge, and I think that's key. Um, yeah. I did have abandonment issues um, from my mom, and um, yeah, just having a nourishing, healthy relationship with women in this program has made so much of a difference in my mm -hmm. life. And I have wonderful relationships with women now, and it has helped me to be um a better woman have more confidence in myself mm -hmm. I, it's just i feel like it's just turned me into a better woman uh, so yeah i i um thought about what the guy said and okay. i started going to meetings and um and to women's meetings and that that rocked my world and um and then i just I, it set me on fire and I, mm -hmm. I wanted to give back immediately. As soon as I started feeling the change in my life, as soon as okay. God took me and, um, and this, this go around and he said, you know, I came to the realiz realization that I can't put alcohol into my body anymore because mm -hmm. I create chaos or death. Every time I take alcohol and put it into my body, something yeah. happens. Um, and once, once I realized that it was so freeing and I, you know, and then I had such loving relationships with women in the program. Mm -hmm. like, I just wanted to explode with <laughs> AA to the world. I was so happy. And I, uh, you know, I created Stay Sober Colorado. I thought mm -hmm. it's got to be a way for people to connect. It's a good you know? outlet. Yeah. Facebook groups are fantastic outlets for what yeah. we do. Yeah. I love it. I, um, I don't know what I would do. I don't know what I would do without... Um, connecting online with people, uh, yeah. especially through COVID. I think COVID kind of really all taught us how to connect online. Mm -hmm. um, 
And so I'm grateful for COVID for yeah. that. I, I don't That's think uh, I would be where I'm at if COVID would have happened. Wow, that is so cool. Well, before COVID happened, I was doing this. So I had bought the, I what. I have PTSD, anxiety. Uh, we only have one car. So I'm at home pretty much all day, every day, which I'm fine with. That doesn't bother me. Um, so I had to learn how to be able to reach out, do meetings, 12-stepping mm-hmm. and all this stuff virtually. So when COVID happened, you guys came into my world mm-hmm. and I loved it. Uh, I can hit more meetings. I can hit two meetings a day now. Yeah. My sobriety is better. I'm helping more people. Um, and since I did that, I, you know, I had a lot more practice with coming on going live and I was able to help people get through, you know, for the first couple months I spent uh, helping people uh, learn how to live by themselves or with other people without murdering each other. Yeah. That was hard. Yeah. Um, hard. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of letting go, letting God yard work, man. Go put yeah. on some music. Go do some yard work. Do something yeah. yourself, man. There's lots of things that you can do. It's just whether you're willing to do them or not. Yeah. So. And that's the key. Uh, willingness. Um, that's that's the whole key. Like, what what lengths are we willing to go to mm-hmm. in order to keep our the beautiful life that we have? Um, yeah. It's it's whatever whatever what we put into our sobriety is definitely what we're going to get back out of. Yep. It. And I've seen that happen. Um, it's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful just to watch what I put into my recovery come back out in another way and, and form and take life. It's yeah. well, in ways that, you know, because we're, we're alcoholics and addicts are highly intelligent people. Yeah. Um, we're very, very good at making things. So we couldn't even dream of the things that happen there, you know, the dividends that I get for the work that I do is not monetary. Uh, I don't make money off the podcast. No, what I get is, hey, Dion, I heard that podcast and made my day. Yeah. Hey, Dion, I heard you say this, and that really helped me out that day. Mm-hmm. Those are the dividends that I get. Hey, Dion, guess what? I get to see my daughter for the first time in five years. That's what I fucking love to hear. That's yeah. what that's the stuff that makes my day. Because there's no amount in the money in the world that can provide you with that. Only love and God. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's it beautiful. Is. Watching scales fall off of people's eyes and them being able to see what life really is instead of, you know, I remember being so shut down and just Yeah and depressed and dark and unconnected from everything and, and like wanting to God, please kill me or, you know, or wanting to try and kill myself, you know? And, and I was at the jumping off place that the big book talks about That's where I left off in my, in my um, alcohol career. Uh, So, you know, when I go, if I go back, that's where I go back to is the jumping off place. You know, that's yeah. Well, and I mean, alcohol is slowly killing us anyway. So I think drinking is suicide on the installment plan yeah. anyway. Yes, it is. It is definitely. You know, so you kind of you kind of hit it. But was there a particular time and when you said, OK, or was there a situation that happened that said, I'm done? 
I don't want this anymore. Yeah. Um, right, right before I had actually quit, it, I would, I was having such a hard time. Um, there was a, there was a lady in my building okay. who was like real hardcore lady. I love her to death. Um, um, but she, she said, you call me every day until you get yourself a sponsor. Okay. And so she was hardcore AA. Yeah. But she wasn't part, she wasn't like affiliated with A, but she was a okay. women's advocate. She works okay. in women's advocacy. Got it. And she, she had gotten clean um, from, I think heroin, heroin was her okay. choice, but um, she, she just knew that I was struggling and trying to get clean. And mm -hmm. so I just had her as an accountability partner, wow. which is so important. I think it is. In the beginning, we need to be <laughs> we need to be able to to tell somebody our lies, our, mm -hmm. our BS, all of that. We need to be able to be open with somebody um, and be accountable to somebody in yep. uh, early recovery. I think that's so important. Um, so that was my person, um, and she had caught me trying to jump off a building one day and had grabbed me and um she was like you i love you trish like you don't this is not you yeah. i know this isn't who you are and i know i know you can do better than this and her um just reaching in and i don't really know many people that can um get my attention when i'm at that kind of mindset where mm -hmm. like, yeah fuck you get away from me yeah um everybody's the enemy yeah, and everybody's the enemy. And she just swooped me up and held me and was like, this isn't you. And I know it isn't you. I love you. And if you need me, I'm here. And, and um, you know, I separated from my husband for a while. Um, um, and then I started going to the Dragon's Den. I was just like, I just need to go to a meeting. And for some reason, God led me to the Dragon's Den. And I love that place. It feels like Narnia when I go there. I love that place. <laughs> I love I love the Dragon's Den. Yes. Yes. Um, I'm I'm very very grateful to the Dragon's Den. Um, after my mom got out of treatment, that was her home group. So I'm grateful um, for that. And it was that group that ruined my drinking career. I wasn't happy with them then. My first meeting was in 1984 at the Dragon's Den. Wow. <laughs> year after I was born. <laughs> uh, no, my well, she took me to Alatine. They had Alatine over there too. Wow. So I'd hit the, you know, I did hit AA meetings with her, but then she wanted me to go to Alatine. Uh, none of the other kids had to go though. I was the only one because, yeah. well, my personality, you could see right through it. But I'm grateful for it because those meetings taught me where to go when I was going to be ready at 19. It also taught me that if I got anywhere close to drugs, I was dead. So I avoided a lot of drugs and a lot of heartache because of that. So that's why I'm, those are a couple of reasons. Uh, the other reason I'm grateful for Dragon's Den is it produced a man by the name of Ray Hayworth who started the, uh, the Phoenix concept. And uh, he was my first sponsor. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. I've been I was, now that's down off of 23rd in Lawrence, right? Uh, 2162 uh, Lawrence Street. Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah, it's right. now government controlled. Um, it's uh, controlled by Stout Street. Hmm. Okay, and yeah. uh, Ray would roll over in his grave if he knew that. So, wow. So. Yeah. 
Well, it, the whole point of the Phoenix concept was that it supported itself, just like an AA group. It was autonomous, um, and right. it worked. It worked very well. But those days are over. I, you know, you can't go back to glory days. It doesn't work yeah. like that. So, yeah. Well, I'm glad I got a piece of the Phoenix concept when it was in in its true state. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was uh, the fourth person to go through. So, I mean, I am dating myself badly here. So. You went into the Dragon's Den, and so obviously something happened to you. Is that when that old timer got a hold of you? No, I was at AWOL when uh, okay. that timer got a hold of me. I went to, I love AWOL too. Okay. Um, they're another great meeting if anybody uh, needs to know. They're off of Pearl Street. And, okay. Um, yeah, they're off of Pearl. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, I went to the Dragon's Den and um, it was just something magical there. Um, and like I said, I was having a hard time. I'd get like two or three days sober and then I would mm -hmm. relapse and then I get like two or three days sober. It's like, that's enough. That's like how much time it takes for the drugs and alcohol to leave your body. That's yeah. no wonder I can only make it that long, you know? And, um, so I, um, finally I locked myself in my house. Okay. And I wouldn't go anywhere. And I just stayed in the house and I didn't, I was scared to talk to anybody. I was scared to, uh, I was scared to go outside because I would run into somebody. Hey, you want some free, free shit? Yeah. You might get I, tempted. Yeah. And it was for free. You know, I couldn't even go to the liquor store because somebody had tried to, uh, somebody had tried to rob the liquor store one night and I stopped them. Okay. And the liquor store was like, hey, free booze for you. And Holy it was crap, like, man. People, <laughs> man, this is great. I'm going to be a hero every, at every liquor store. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> so I couldn't really go anywhere without, you know, like I was terrified. Somebody sure. would offer me booze and alcohol for free. And I would accept it, you know. Mm -hmm. of course. So I locked myself in, in the apartment. Um, and I, I would barely have enough energy to get up and, you know, put some clothes on and do my hair. And, and by the time I did that and went to a meeting, I, um, I was exhausted, but, but mm -hmm. rewind back before, before I even got to, um, Dragon's Den, I got eight days clean and I realized that I had eight days. I was like, Oh my gosh, I have eight days. Mm -hmm. And, um, I like, I better go to a meeting before I, before I screw this up. Mm -hmm. And I went to the dragon's den and I found a sponsor that night. I was like, I need a sponsor. Wow. Something lit a fire under your ass. Yes. Yes. I, I, well, I was astonished that I made it eight days because yeah. I was having such a struggle and I just barricaded myself in the house and I was like, wow. wow, I really did it. You know, I was like, I can do it. I can do it some more, you know? Yeah. And, um, and, uh, I met us, I got my sponsor. We started working through the steps right away and I just came to life. And I think that's what, I think that's what it is. I just, I found a willingness and then I just ran with it Yeah. and, and I just dove yeah. like I did a swan dive. Woo! So, so you did that eight days and it felt so good. You wanted more. That's what yeah. I heard. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. I had a taste of it. Yeah. And I just didn't <laughs> want to look back. I just wanted to keep going. Good for you. And, uh, 
Yeah. Yeah. I loved it. And I just made connections. Um, a really good friend of mine goes to the dragon's den and we're still really super good friends. That's my best friend now. Yeah. And, um, I don't want to give her name away cause she's in the program too, but, um, I'm not saying her name either. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, uh, it's not hard to figure out that you guys are yeah, really good friends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you go to our meetings, it's not hard to figure out who my best oh, friend And don't you worry. She, she going to be on soon guys. Good. Yeah. I'm just trying to get, I just want to get to know her a little bit better. Get her on. Yes. Yeah. That'd be um, a fun story. I already know it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. She's an amazing lady and um, she's saved my butt over and over again. You know, I believe it. Um, just being a- accountable to it's been wonderful to have a friend in uh, recovery, my best friend in recovery. Uh, I can just call her up. She keeps me accountable. She's like, Hey, your, your shit stinks pretty bad. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you might want to take a look at yourself. And I have, you know, I'm like, Oh, okay. And I take a look at myself and I realize where I'm at fault. And it's just been beautiful to have friends like that. And it is. Yeah. Remember the yucky friends we used to have? Yeah. Where, where, yeah. and they wouldn't give me constructive criticism. They okay. would just cut me down. Right. <laughs> where, you know, it wasn't your shit stinks. Like, Dion, you're a fucking asshole. Go away. You know, it was yeah. more like that. Whereas, you know, and, and, you know, I don't even call my sponsor my sponsor. I have four accountability buddies. I'm five years sober. I do this all day long. I want four accountability buddies. I want them. It makes me feel good because when I have people in my life that I, that I'm accountable to, I feel responsible for that. So then my decisions are going to be on the level of good thoughts and things that I could do for people. Um, Because I have a responsibility to that relationship. And since I feel that connection, I'm going to, as a human, I'm just going to do it. Yeah. So we're kind of tricking ourselves into being accountable, but so who cares? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Love it. So, um, I mean, how long, how, how long do you, how much time do you have? If you don't mind me asking. I got sober on January 8th, 8th of uh, 2019. Okay. So a little, a little over two years. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Make sure my math sucks. You could be like, uh, Dion, that's 12. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, two years in, man, you here's the thing, guys. I don't do, I don't do quantity. I do quality. I could care. I could really, the only reason I asked is so that people could put things in time frames. Um, I could really care less how much time you actually have because right now, Right now, today, with what you're doing, what does it matter? I got up at um, I got up at nine uh, thirty this morning. Hmm. So if you got up before nine thirty, you have more sobriety than me today. Yeah, I got up at six. There you go. <laughs> yeah, it's all about, for me. It's all about quality. Yeah, you know, the quality of your program. That's right. Um, and sometimes and. I don't want to sit here and say oh, I've, I've met old people or older and they're, they're just, well, not necessarily. It's just that they did their part and it's your turn now, dumbass. Um, <laughs> it's called passing it on. Right. <laughs> right. So we take it for what it is and fantastic. So, you know, what's it like for you today? I mean, you have, now you're obviously happily married. 
Yes. Um, my, my husband has been through a lot and so have my, I mean, my kids have been through a lot. Um, my kids have been through the most of it. I, I yeah. say, you know, and I, I'm going to own it. You guys, I was not a good mom. I thought I was a good mom. I thought that I, I mean, I kept everybody alive and fed and clothed and everybody, you know, went to the doctor and stuff like that, but I was not there. I wasn't yeah. present. I wasn't there for my kids. I wasn't, I wasn't a good mom. And I can own that now. I can see that now. Yeah. Um, Cause now I have a relationship with my kids. That's beautiful. Yeah. And it's still growing. I still pray all the time. God, sure. my relationship with my kids, help us to grow together. Yeah. You know? And that's good. That's going to take time. And that's okay yeah. too, because yeah. anything, uh, the way I see it is if a relationship takes a little bit more time to develop, I think it's going to be stronger. Then you get to know that person better. Then you have inside jokes and things like that. Um, yeah, I was an absentee father myself, and I felt horrible. I felt so much shame for so long. About a year ago, I'm like, you know what? I'm no longer an absentee father. And all the shame went away. Yeah. Now my kids can no longer manipulate me and get that. Ha <laughs> ha! Ain't working no more. Welcome back. Yeah, don't work anymore. <laughs> well, that's like uh, I put out a, uh, a a post on Facebook. It was Oprah Winfrey saying, uh, handing out boundaries. Like you get a boundary and oh, you get yeah. a boundary. About and that's kind of how I became. Everybody gets a boundary. <laughs> yeah, get a boundary. <laughs> okay. Hey, Oprah. <laughs> Fantastic. So do you do you have any words of wisdom or any parting words that you'd like to let people know before we wrap up? Oh, I would just say never give up before the miracle happens. I know it's kind of I know it might be have been said over and over again, or you might have heard it before, but really don't give up before the miracle happens. Um, There's so many times that I wanted to give up and I look back at that point now and I'm like, I am so so grateful that I did not give up. So wherever you're at right now, keep going and you have today and Mm -hmm. take the beauty in today and take, take what you can do with today and, by tomorrow it'll be something else you know it just keeps growing and growing and growing into something beautiful and i'm so grateful that i never gave up and i'm so grateful that god never gave up on me you know me too god god knew where i was the whole time i tried to hide and run and all of that and he just knew where i was the whole time and he had a completely different plan for my life Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, and when we don't give up, we get to see what that beautiful plan is. Absolutely, and, so, yeah. and we get to see it for we get to see the forest for the trees. Yeah, um, I used to think grass was brown because that's my face was always planted in it. No, grass is green. So you know, and colors start to come alive, and and then life begins to happen. Birds are chirping, you know, yeah. and that's not annoying me. It actually sounds kind of nice. Yeah. Just shut up. I got a hangover. You know, <laughs> I, I couldn't, I wasn't allowed to enjoy life. Yeah. yeah. Horrible. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you coming on and, yeah. and having a conversation with me. There's a lot of fun getting to get to know you. You know, I, I love stories because, you know, even here, there's a lot of similarities for me, uh, even though, even though grew grew up in a, in a different uh, in a different way. 
Um, and I'm going to go and I'm going to, I'm going to finish this up with a don't give up either. And, um, when we talk about waiting for the miracle to happen, what we're saying is there'll be a day when the obsession for alcohol will leave. Mm-hmm. It'll just, you'll turn around one day and it'll be gone. Yeah. That's the miracle we're talking about. And it's yeah. going to be your first of many. First of many. Yes. Then you get your kids back. Your yeah. wife enjoys your company. Yeah. This is kind of how I describe it. When I first came into the program, I didn't have anybody that would carry my casket. Nope. Yeah. Neither. Now people will be clamoring over themselves to get to my casket. Yeah. That's the difference. Yeah. Or at least I hope so. Yeah. I'd at least have one person. <laughs> yeah. Progress. Progress. So, all right, guys and guys and gals. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in today. What a great Friday night, man. Um you know, our lives are so much different. And I do know that tomorrow morning I'm going to wake up glad that I didn't drink the night before. Yeah. I never woke up sober wishing I'd drink the night before. Anybody? Anybody? Nope. <laughs> oh. oh, that's a good place. All right, guys, gals, thanks for being here. Yeah. I love you all. You know I do. Peace out and have a day. <laughs>